Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. The last several weeks I've been uh, preaching on a message called the heart of God. Amen. And, and, and I believe it's important for us to understand that the Lord has desires. The Lord has a way. The Lord has a way that he goes about what he does. And if we don't know the word, we don't know his heart. Amen. And if we don't know his heart, we really don't know his will. Amen. We're out, we'll, we'll be outside of the will of God if we don't know the heart of God. And it's important for us to to know the heart of the God, uh, the heart of God, and so the first thing that we learned in the very first part, I'll just give you a quick recap: is the heart of God is in a father. Amen. The heart of God is in a father. One of the characteristics of the Lord is the Bible says that He is a father to the fatherless. Amen. That's good news. Amen. He is a father to the fatherless, and He is a rescuer for those who have been orphaned. Amen. And I love how the Bible describes it when we receive Jesus. As our Lord and Savior, the Bible says that we are then adopted into sonship. Amen. Amen. That means that you get a brand new family in the family of God. Amen. How many of you know that you have more than one brother or sister? Amen. And maybe if you didn't grow up with any, you know, brothers and sisters in your household, you've got plenty now. Amen. That's the beauty, that's the beauty of the kingdom. Amen. It's, it's like endless. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, 4, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. The Bible says in verse 7, in him we have redemption through the blood, forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of his grace. Amen. The second thing that we learned is this, is God's heart is about his will. This is really important for us to understand. Our heart deviates from the will of God uh, a, a lot of times. Or, 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 you know, you could simply say that we've deviated from the heart of God when we choose to do our own will. But the heart of the Father is different. The heart of the Father is, is just as the Bible says. The Bible says that he changes not. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? And so God is not like us who, you know, maybe wake up on the wrong side of the bed and, you know, we have a, a moody day or we have an attitude or, or, you know, we get a little hangry. You know, how many of you have ever been hangry before? You know what hangry is, right? You know, it's, it's, you're not you when you're hungry. <laughs> get a little hangry sometimes and our mood fluctuates. Our temperament changes, you know, but the Bible says that God is steady. He's con He's constant, he's consistent, and his heart doesn't change. It's always about his will. It's never like, you know, oh, you know what, I'm going to watch baseball today. No, God's heart is focused about his will. We learn that the Lord is more interested in seeing his plan fulfilled in us and through us than he is in our, our comfort and in our luxury in this world. God is more interested in seeing his will fulfilled than us just, you know, you know coming to him, you know, like little kids rubbing a genie and saying, okay, God, give me, give me, give me. God loves to fulfill the desires of our heart. Make no mistake, church. He's, he's a good father. He's perfect. Amen? But he's all about his will. His will comes first and everything else is second. Amen? The third thing that we learned is this. 
is we learned last week that the heart of God for humanity is for restoration of relationship. The heart of God for humanity is for restoration of relationship. How many of you are thankful that you have a relationship with the creator of the heavens and the earth? Amen? Think about that. Think about that with me just for a second. We have a relationship with God. The Bible says that he desires to have his fullness dwell in us. And when we think about the fullness of God and we think of, of the scope of who God is, he's outside of time. He's outside of, of you know, the natural you know, system on which we operate. The Bible says that the earth is his footstool. God's just like you know, kicking up his feet on the earth. This is how vast the Lord is, but yet the Bible says he desires to have his fullness dwell inside of us. Why would he want his fullness to dwell inside of us? Because at the end of the day, the Lord is restoring us back into the image of his son. He's restoring us back into the original design from which we have fallen. Amen. What a privilege, church, it is to know Jesus Christ as Lord. Amen. I'm going to say that to this side. What a privilege it is to know Jesus Christ as your Lord. Amen. Sometimes we have to tell ourselves, our face, <laughs> rather, what our heart feels. Amen. I know you guys see me back there, and I look like I'm really serious. My wife always makes fun of me because I have a concentration face. And I bite my lip. I don't know why. I'm sorry. I've tried to make a nicer face when I play the drums. It's partial release of aggression and, and mostly worship, though. <laughs> But I do make a face when I play. But I, I, I can assure you, on the inside, my heart is erupting for the Lord. Amen. On the inside, my heart is so thankful that I, I am, I'm called by the Lord, that I have purpose in him, that I have relationship with him, that he bought me with his blood, that he thought so much of me to give his son as a sacrifice for my life. Wow. I am grateful. You should be grateful too. Amen. I love those verses that remind us of exactly how our relationship with Jesus came to be. Ephesians 2 and 13, I love this verse. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near. Everybody say brought near. You've been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Man, that's better than your favorite football team's touchdown. See, some of us, some of us will, will, will get all crazy and rowdy, you know, when our team scores. But when we read the word of God that is confirmation, this thing is life, church. When I realize what that is actually penned down to tell my soul, this thing is speaking to my life how important the blood of Jesus actually is. Because I was lost and now I'm found. I was far away, and now I've been brought near because of the blood. Everyone repeat after me. Say, I was far away until his blood brought me near. We have to realize that. Amen? Some of you were raised in church. You don't think you were that far away. My friend, sin is sin. Amen? And no distance. We were all as shameful and as wicked and as lost at the foot of the cross as anybody else. 
the murderer, the thief, the, the, the fornicator, the, 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 all these people that you think are worse than you, you were actually exactly the same in the spirit. We were all dead in transgression is what the Bible says. We were all lost. Amen. So I'm grateful the access that we have through Jesus. And so tonight as we continue, I want us to speak about another characteristic of the heart of God, and that is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. His heart heals the broken. Write that down. His heart heals the broken. Psalms 147.3, we're going to camp out here a little bit tonight. But Psalms 147.3 is, is such a powerful verse. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Let's pray for tonight's word. Holy Spirit, I thank you. I know that you're in this place. God, I feel your presence all over this room already. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Father, I believe that you're going to unlock somebody, Father, from the, the chains and the grips of bondage, Father, God, torment, God, whatever it is, Lord, you're going to do it tonight, Lord, and we trust you for that. Lord, let your word be met with power, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. A lot of times we fail to realize that a lot of our troubles in life stem from a fractured heart. In other words, on the outward, there's things that have manifested in our life because of a broken heart. A, a, the inside, the core of us, is fractured. It's damaged. Things that we've experienced in life have damaged us in some way that caused us to either use some form of sin to cope or build some wall to protect. I'll say that one more time. Things that you've experienced in your life have caused damage in some way to either, you know, use rather some form of sin to cope with pain or build up some wall to protect from pain. And the enemy loves to use those situations that have been sent to break us in our hearts to actually bind us in the spirit. I'll say that one more time. He'll use those situations that have been sent in your life to damage your heart so bad that you, that you, you don't look at God the same. You, you, you don't want to trust in God. You're, you're, you're no, you, there's an inability in your life that is crippled because of the pain or the trauma or the hurt or what have you that you have gone through. So I want to dive deeper into this. For example, children that have experienced some form of abuse, you know, whether physical, mental, even sexual, often find themselves broken in a way that causes them to turn to opiates or sometimes it's fornication, drugs or anger. It'll cause them to spiral further and further into bondage. And the goal is to keep them from freedom. For, for others, hurt and pain, deep hurt and pain can cause great fear. It can cause anger, depression, isolation because they're afraid of being hurt by people. So as these patterns continue, people find themselves not being able to trust people. One, and two, it's ultimately a chokehold sent by the enemy to cause distrust in God. So as we reread this verse, I want us to note several things from it. Let's reread that verse one more time. Why don't you read it with me? Psalms 147 and 3. Let's read it together. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Read it out loud. Let's one more time. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. See, we must never cease to believe that our God is a God that heals. Amen. 
I know I'm preaching the right word tonight because I feel like there's unbelief in that area. I said, we must never cease to believe that our God is a God that heals. Don't say amen for me. Say amen if you agree. See, many have created disbelief in the area of healing because either they haven't experienced healing or they prayed for someone to be healed and it didn't happen. But here's the catch. We do not have the right to not believe based on what we've experienced. You do not have a legal right. If you are a believer, your job is to believe. If you say you believe in Jesus, that means that you believe in his life, his death, his resurrection, and everything that it has afforded us. The authority for which it's been given to you and all the promises that entail because of Jesus. We must believe, church, in our core, in our very being, that we have to understand that our God is a God that can heal us. If God said he could heal you, then we have to take him at his word. Amen. You have to take the Lord at his word. So know that the Lord is a God who heals. The Bible says his name is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. So if he is a God who heals, you you can be assured that it is in his heart to do so. Amen. Amen. Oh, man going to get ugly tonight in a good way. <laughs> the next thing we see in Psalm 147.3 is who he heals. The Bible says he heals the brokenhearted. You see, who is the brokenhearted? Who is the brokenhearted? Just a guy who got dumped by his girlfriend? <laughs> who is the brokenhearted? Or a girl that got dumped by her boyfriend? Someone who lost their favorite pet? Has that ever happened to you? I remember I had this angel of a dog. Her name was Minnie. I named her Minnie. She was like this white, uh, I don't know what you call him. Um, sorry, Border Collie. I forgot the name. It's this beautiful white Border Collie. And this dog was actually, you know, I call her my angel because she was like a gift from God. It was an unfortunate time in my life, but unfortunately at that time my parents were separating. And she came into my life like right before it happened. And then what was really weird is she was there. She, she was with me the whole time and just this super awesome dog. She was like a genius and she did all this crazy stuff. And right before I moved to Texas, she ran away. It was weird because that dog just like, like I said, she was like a little angel, man. She just came into my life at the right time when I needed somebody to just be there with me. And, and she left, you know, when she knew I was going to leave. Interesting, but... Someone that's ever lost their favorite pet, you know, maybe a broken-hearted person. Someone who suffered the loss of a loved one, is that a broken-hearted person? Someone who's experienced tragedy, is that a broken-hearted person? Who is the broken-hearted? Yes, it's all of these people. Amen? It's every one of these people. See, there's not one person in existence on this planet that has not suffered some form of brokenness. No matter how well your life has gone, you, you have suffered in some way some kind of hurt or pain or loss, something that has fractured your heart in a way that only God can repair. The way that only the Lord can fix. And this means, church, that God can heal every area of our heart physically, emotionally, 
intellectually, the Lord is able not only to repair, but bring complete and whole healing to our heart in every single way. That is the power of a God who heals. That is the power of a God who is Jehovah Rapha. His name, his name is not just an attribute, it's who he is. It's in his DNA, if you will, that he is able to do what he is about. And the greatest healing, church, that our heart needs is to be healed from the most common disease, and that is called sin. Sin is what caused the brokenness to exist in the first place. Sin is what caused brokenness to exist in the first place. In the Lord's original design of the garden, man and God existed in perfection. God had designed a garden for Adam to inhabit, to tend to, to live in, to multiply, to subdue it, and to live blessed. And the Lord gave Adam his wife called Eve, and the Bible says that they existed there, and in their nakedness they felt no shame. Now that, that last part of the verse that I read to you is really important to understand because many of us know the next part of the story. The Bible says that God had commanded Adam and Eve not to eat of the tree of good and evil, right? Like not to eat of the tree of knowledge of, and all those things. And so the Bible says that they then were encountered by a serpent and he deceived them into eating from the tree. But prior to this happening, we noticed that they had no shame. Can I tell you something, church? Sin and guilt of sin is what brings shame. Shame did not exist before sin was present. Are you following me tonight? The very thing that when you've made a mistake before God and you, you know that you've hurt the heart of God, for those of you that are believers in here tonight, when you made a mistake, you've sinned against the Lord, you immediately feel shame or you should. If you do not feel shame, then my friend, I want to reevaluate your relationship with God. Because the Holy Spirit brings conviction of sin. Amen. Every single time. That means that we can't go on doing and doing and doing like we used to do when we were in the world. If we've truly given our hearts to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is present in our life every single day and he will convict us of our sin. But at this time, Adam and Eve, before sin entered into the world, they had no shame. Because what does sin do? Sin binds us with guilt, and it binds us with shame. And in God's design, we were never supposed to experience that. In the garden, in that place of perfection, we were never supposed to experience all of that. So when we read Psalms 147, it's important to understand that when the Lord heals the brokenhearted, the first area of our heart that he addresses is our sin. That is the first area that the Lord is looking at in your life. Now, a lot of people like to believe that there's nothing that can separate them from God's love, but there's one thing, listen to me carefully, that can keep God's heart from healing our own, and that is that God cannot forgive the unrepented sinner. He's not going to forgive you if you don't repent of it. See, we can think over and over, oh, nothing can separate me from the love of God. My friend, listen to me very carefully. There is something that the Lord cannot forgive or heal, and that is an unrepented sinner. 
We have to confess our sin. The Bible says, he who conceals his sin, what? Does not prosper. But he who confesses his sin, what is available to him? Justice and mercy and forgiveness flowing from the heart of God. And so in order to have our hearts healed from the disease called sin, we must first acknowledge our own inability and our own brokenness that can never be fixed on our own. Before I encountered Jesus, I could do nothing about the condition of my heart. Before I encountered the Lord, I could do absolutely nothing about the pain, about the sin, about the damage that my heart had experienced up until that point. I needed the Lord. And this is what the Lord wants us all to see, is that we have to first acknowledge that we are sick. We have to check ourselves into the hospital. Say, I don't have an answer for this. I don't know what it is. So that the master physician can go to work on our heart. So that he can begin the work that we can't control, that we can't do, and we have no power over. The Bible says, Psalm 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Ezekiel 34 and 16, he says this, I will search for the lost and I will bring back the strays and I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. Thank you, Jesus. He said, I will search for the lost, bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured what is he doing? He's, he's wrapping us. He, he's comforting us. He's bandaging us up. He says, and he will strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I'll destroy. Those that think they have no need for God. Those that think that, you know what, I'm good just the way that I am. You know what, I have never done anything wrong. No, that's the first, that's the first indication that you are really wrong. Is that when you think you've done nothing wrong. I read an illustration the other day, and it said every single one of our pockets was filled with the nails that nailed Jesus to the cross. Every single one of us, our sin was upon his back. I'll say that again. Your sin was upon the back of Jesus. Say, Pastor Duke, how could this be true? I've, I've been raised in church. I'm a pretty good person. Your sin and my sin were upon the back of Jesus. But how many of you are thankful that we serve a God that heals, that binds up our wounds, that heals of us, us, us of our brokenness? He binds up the injured and he strengthens those who are weak. I'm thankful that he's healed my heart. I'm thankful that he's healed my injuries and that he's strengthened me in him. See, that's the heart of God, church. That is the heart of God. What Satan tried to destroy by deception, God healed through the power of his love. Amen. His son and his shed blood for us. This is how the Lord brought us back into restoration. If you're not saved and healed and restored by the blood, then it's God's heart that you would be. See, God doesn't want to leave you in the state where you're damaged, where you're, where you're punished, where you're tormented, where the pain that you have dealt with and carried your entire life is actually destroying you. I've seen people healed because they forgave somebody. 
say that again. I've seen people healed because they forgave somebody, because there's an attachment to their heart of unforgiveness, and guess what? They have to forgive, and then all of a sudden the Lord does it. The healing grace of God is released over their life if they would just forgive somebody. But here's the deal. The Lord wants to forgive us first. But we have to be and acknowledge who we are before him. Some of you might say, well, Pastor Duke, I'm already saved, but sometimes I still experience brokenness. Well, then Psalms 34, 18 says this. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Did you know that God is not far from you? In fact, the Lord is nearer during our brokenness and ready to save. Do we see, you know, the parallel? It's Jesus being broken to heal our broken hearts. I want us to understand that. It's Jesus being broken to heal our broken hearts. It was Jesus being crushed to save our crushed spirit. It was him being crushed. It was him being, you know, spit at. It was him being mocked. It was him being denied by men. It was him not being given his rightful place as a king and lord. It was all of what he endured that paid the price so that we could step into a place of freedom. Deuteronomy 4 and verse 7 says this. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way that the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? What a beautiful verse, amen? See, what I find interesting about Psalms 34 is that its context is for those who have been made righteous through relationship with God. The context that we're talking about here is, is, is again, it's for those who have been made righteous through right relationship with the Lord. And so verse 19 goes on to say this, Psalms 34 and 19, the righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Amen. Man, I think I'm preaching to myself tonight. I don't know. I'm being encouraged. Duke, you're doing a fantastic job. Don't pity. Don't pity me now. You'll have a better opportunity to respond. The enemy works hard to take those who've been set free and healed through the blood of Jesus, listen to me carefully, back to captivity and brokenness so that they think God is not near. What do I mean by that? He wars daily to bring you back into a place of captivity from which God has already set you free. He works tirelessly to work bitterness and sow bitterness into your heart to rob you of joy and peace, to anger you towards each other. He's always trying to cause your heart to worry, to be upset, to be shaken by all the stuff that you have experienced in this world. The enemy is trying to do this on, on a daily basis. Some of you probably got a bill this last week that caused you to freak out. Others of you may have woken up and had a dream, you know, and it caused you to experience worry. Others of you were watching the news too much, and, and your heart is full of something. You're carrying that thing with you. And the Bible says that the Lord, is, the Lord is saying this. He wants to set you free from all of that stuff. He has made a way, church, when it seems like the enemy has cut you off from God. The Lord has made a way in your heart and in your life when it seems like the, the, the nearness of God is not what it used to be. How many of you know what I'm talking about tonight? Sometimes we think, you know what, Lord, I'm going through this. Where are you, God? 
And God is saying right here, plain and open to you to get you to understand, I am near to the brokenhearted. I am near to you in your greatest need. I am near to you in the moment that you have been crushed. I am near, I am present, is what the word of the Lord is teaching us. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 5 says this. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, I hadn't read this verse. You know, I, I feel like I've read this verse a million times. And, and when I reread this verse, something jumped out at me. In verse 5, I was like, who put that there? How many of you know, like, the Lord is so awesome, like, the way he, he just, he hides, you know, he's not hiding it in a bad way, but it's like there, and sometimes maybe you just, you gloss over it, you don't see it, but it's there. And I went back and I looked at that verse, and I noticed what the Lord says right there. The, the, the verse says, the Lord is near, and then he says, don't be anxious about anything. He's there. He's there. You've been crushed. You've been hurt. Somebody broke your heart. Somebody did something in your life, but the Bible says the Lord is near. Oh, man, you're present with me, God? Even in, the, in this situation that maybe I got myself into or, or somebody else did to me, man, you are near to me in this moment? Yes. But why, did, why does the enemy work, like I said, tirelessly and, and with so much effort? Because here's the deal. Brokenness has a way of causing unbelief. Brokenness has a way of causing your heart to shift towards unbelief. It clouds your vision of knowing that God is really near. You don't see it in the present. You don't see it in the moment. And you're literally wondering, God, where are you? God, I've been praying. God, I've been faithful. God, I've been giving. God, I've been serving. God, I've been doing. God, I've been, you know, good to my family. God, I've sacrificed so much, Lord. But why is this thing tormenting my life? And then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, poof, God is gone. You can't see him. You can't feel him. You can't touch him. You can't hear him. You're like, where are you, Lord? I was telling some friends yesterday about... Uh, you know, when I went to Oklahoma a few years ago to go minister, I love you, church. Uh, just know that. I love you. <laughs> I really love you. No, and I mean that. I, I mean that. So smile at least. Good Lord. Some of y'all are like, <laughs> sheesh. I went to Oklahoma, and, and I love these people. And I'm actually scheduled to go there next week, so keep me in your prayers. But anyways... I went to Oklahoma, tiny little church out in the middle of this little city called Balco, Oklahoma. There's nothing out there but wheat and cows and dirt and a few people. About 30 people in this church, I go for a three-day thing to go minister the gospel, and I learned a lot about the Holy Spirit. Want to know what I learned about the Holy Spirit? I love you guys because you, 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 you do sometimes show expression, and I can see you, okay? So just... <laughs> Just know that I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you and you're like looking at me like. I'm like, God is great. I'm like, bro, like seriously. Anyways, I preached the word. 
I asked the Lord for a vision. The Lord gave me a vision. I knew that the Lord was there, but I saw no signs of God being there for the next, like, hour. Nobody clapped. Nobody cried. Nobody said amen. Everybody had their arms folded, looking at me like I was some foreign alien. Expressionless. Now, I, I, I say this not because it's common or whatever, but everybody in that church was probably about 65 and up. Okay? They're the older folk. All right? I'm close, but I'm not quite there. So I'm the young buck, you know, or whatever. They've all been in church longer than I've been alive. I'm preaching the word, and I see absolutely nothing. And I'm going like, I, I, I'll, there's like this instant moment where I begin to doubt. And I'm like questioning everything. I'm like, okay, God, you brought me all the way over here. And, and man, dude, like the, the, there is no water. It's dry. It's like powder. You know, I'm going like, this is, this is not it, Lord. I'm looking at these people, and the Holy Spirit tells me, go pray for them. It's not like here. We have a, man, we are blessed. Come on, somebody give God praise. We're so blessed. You have no idea. I'm serious. You have no idea. But anyways, I go, and nobody moves. And the message, the title of my message was called Move. I preached on Zacchaeus, you know, and that whole story and everything. And, and these people, like, I'm telling you, they're just like statues. I'm going like, Lord, I've never been in a situation like this. I really hadn't. And I just hear him say, go pray for him. I go, and I, I remember there was a gentleman to my left. I go over there. I pray for him. I think he's going like, why are you touching me? You know, and then I go, and there's these two ladies in the back, and I go, and I lay hands on them, and the Lord's just revealing things to my heart to pray for. I pray for one lady for diabetes and lupus and, and migraines, or, or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, migraines, and then the other lady for, like, chronic back pain, and then I go to some other lady. I pray for cancer. I go to this lady in the front, and I pray for prodigal children. I remember it like it was yesterday. And as I'm going through, I don't even know why I'm praying, what I'm praying for, but I'm just being obedient as I believe I'm hearing the Holy Spirit. I go back up. Nobody does nothing. Not like, oh, thanks, brother. You know, great prayer. You know, I feel better now. Nothing. Nothing. Do you understand what nothing means? It means no thing. No thing happened. Nothing. And I'm standing there going like, man, Lord, what, what are you going to do? Are you going to show up? I go back and I, I look at, you know, my friend who's the pastor of that church. I was like, all right, well, I'm done for tonight, you know. And he just goes and gives the announcements and prays. And immediately after the service, this lady walks up to me and she says, who told you about my situation? I said, well, I don't know who you are. I said, but I believe it was the Holy Spirit. She said, I've had chronic back pain for the last 30 years of my life. I said, okay. And that was it. That was the exchange. The other lady in the back tells me something similar, and that was it. Nothing. Nothing happened. Come back on the second night. That was on a Friday. Come back on Saturday night. Preach the word of God again to the driest audience I've ever preached to. <laughs> I love them. God bless them. 
but they are as dry as the land that they stand on. Not even joking. But we need to pray for them. Uh, and I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this tonight. We need to pray for them because there's some serious fires going on up in their area right now as we speak. So there's a good chance that I'm not going to make that trip next week unless God pours some rain on that land. Anyways, we will pray for that. I go the next night, and that lady that tells me that she's dealt with the back pain for 30 years, she, she, she walks in the room, and she goes, hey. I'm like, hi. <laughs> You're never going to believe this. Try me. She said, I had the best sleep that I've had in over 30 years. She said, I believe God healed my back. I said, Thank you, Jesus. Why do I say all of this? Because I learned something new about God. Is that God has the ability to see deep inside the walls of our heart a place that I could never lay eyes on. And he could be working through a person's <laughs> expressionless, almost valley of dry bones, <laughs> kind of faith but there was a mustard seed inside of them that still believed I say that because on the outside I may be like Lord I'm going through this situation I don't feel you I don't see you I don't know that you're present Lord but I come back to the word and the Bible says Psalms 145 18 the Lord is near to all who call on him and to all who call on him in truth, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him, and he hears their cry, and he saves them. You see, some of you might have become numb to cry out because of brokenness. What you experienced shattered something in your heart that caused a fracture of unbelief, chain reaction. But I'm here to remind you what the prophet spoke of Jesus. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. It's on Jesus. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And to proclaim freedom for the captives and the release from darkness for the prisoners. What a powerful truth. What a powerful, powerful truth. You see, maybe the brokenness of sin has yet to be healed in your life. Then I'm here to tell you, church, that Jesus can heal you tonight if you would just step out and believe in faith and who he is and who scripture declares him to be. Amen? C.S. Lewis said this, the son of God became a son of man so that sons of men could become sons of God. You see, he has a purpose and he has a plan for your life. And the Lord wants to restore you back to himself as a child of God. The Bible says, church, with no other name under heaven and under the earth has been given by which men must be saved. And that is only through the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is by believing that the Son of God walked in this earth as a man and surrendered his life to death on a cross so that through his blood, everybody say his blood, we would be healed, we would be saved, we would be born again and set free from the grip of sin 
once and for all. Amen. So that we could find new life in the Lord. We could find new life and we could find freedom and we could be brought in to the family of God. And so Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.